dirt road in a gooseneck saddle up with me dry land in god's country crops far as i can see the headlights on both ends of my day this country Welcome, folks, to HPJ Talk, the podcast from High Plains Journal, bringing the ag news and commentary of the week to you. I'm Jennifer Amlatsky, and I'm joined finally together again in the same room by my colleague, Kayleen Scott. Hey, Kayleen. Hey, Jenny. I think you can probably tell there is a difference in our sound quality. It's because we're back with our mics <laughs> for today <laughs> in our recording studio. We want to thank you all for your patience with our sound quality over the last couple of months. I know it was not the best and ideal situation, but thanks for riding with us <laughs> as we uh, navigated the COVID bubble, as it were. So, hey, how's your how's your weekend going? How's your week? It's been forever since I've seen you in person and not in a little bitty screen on the screen. What's well, going? <laughs> the boys are with grandma today. Yeah, they wanted to go see grandma. So I came to the office to do some things and get stuff squared around. Well, hey, you're looking good. I don't know about that. <laughs> I seriously need a haircut. I I will say I am in jeans for like the only the second time over the last four months and um, I'm going to start lobbying that we change our official dress code here at the High Plains Journal to include yoga pants <laughs> because <laughs> do you all do yourselves a favor. If you haven't put on your jeans lately, try them bad boys on because your sweatpants and your shorts lie to you. They are some lying so's and so's. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, no, I've been kind of keeping busy with my treadmill. You know, I, I get on there about once every other day or so and and say hi to her and do a good solid mile, two miles or whatever on it. Don't get crazy, folks. I, I walk. I don't even think my pace is above a one on the treadmill. So let's just calm ourselves down. <laughs> Better than me. Because <laughs> I walk from the... Uh desk to the kitchen to the bathroom and back <laughs> and if the boys want to walk down the road we might walk down the road but we might have to start walking the goats because they're not very halter broke yet so we've got almost a little over a month for the to the fair you probably had to get started on that yeah well <laughs> my family was known procrastinators i mean we were out there breaking halter breaking steers two weeks before the fair so I am with you. And um, my dad has the rope burn scars on his hands to prove it. <laughs> well, you know, if you've got office jobs and we have semi office jobs, yeah, you know, we go out into the field and get some stories and, th- and such. But if you've got office jobs like ours and you're listening to us, you probably understand what we're talking about here, because in the office, you periodically get up and have a conversation with your coworkers or you go and get a cup of coffee. Yeah. It's on the other side of the of the building. You know, there's there's a lot of activity, even if you are sedentary in an office setting. Even walking to your car in our parking lot. <laughs> exactly, right? I don't know about you, but were you huffing and puffing this morning? Because no. I kind of might have been. <laughs> <laughs> no, but when you work in your home office, however, 
it's just really easy to get into that comfort zone of getting up and maybe brushing your hair <laughs> and brushing your teeth because nobody's going to see the bottom half of you on a on a conference call. We hope not. If they do, you're doing it wrong. Just going to tell you right now. If, if your conference calls involve the bottom half, you're doing it wrong. No, but um, you get into a lull. I didn't, my commute was all of two minutes, even if that. Mine was barely a step because my desk is right next to my bed. Yeah. <laughs> That's not very, That's not very good. No, it's not. <laughs> well, I tell you who all has commutes even shorter than ours have been. It's our all aboard wheat harvest cruise, right, Kayleen? Yeah, that's for sure. So in this week's uh, print version, you probably saw that we had our introduced our all aboard wheat harvest correspondent cruise. And we are going to bring those to you every week and, and, um, we're, we're starting that back up again. This week's podcast, we're going to, in, um, we have interviews of all five of our correspondents for this year. And so you'll get to meet them. And then throughout the rest of the season, one by one, they will appear on our on our podcast. And we're, we're really excited about that. But Kayleen, we're also doing Facebook Live with our All Aboard Weed Harvest correspondents. Yeah, I noticed that. And I asked if the correspondents I spoke with yesterday about it, and they seemed pretty excited to try it. So so do us a favor, go on to Facebook, like, and follow the All Aboard Weed Harvest page. It's www.allaboardharvest.com. There you go. And uh, when you like that Facebook page, you'll be able to get uh, notifications when our correspondents are going to go live. We have With the, the planning of harvest... <laughs> does not actually, it harvest isn't really conducive to making sure that there is an eight to five kind of thing. Yeah. And so we are going to have to be flexible with our correspondence schedules because if the conditions are good for cutting, they're probably going to be having a Facebook live from inside a cap. Yeah. We're not going to drag them out of the field. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, with our first year doing this, we just asked that, you know what, do us a favor and, and, Follow along, submit some questions because this is your opportunity as a follower to ask the question, ask the harvester. That's the whole point of the series there. And, and we're looking forward to it. I think it's fun to have that glimpse and to really connect with your, with the blogger. So yeah, you can get on there and, and like what they're talking about or ask questions or just interact with them. That's what they're there for during that segment in time. Exactly. All righty. Well, Kayleen, anything else going on? My husband and I went to a branding and I think this is probably in my 40 some years of life. This is the fourth branding I've been to in this last year. <laughs> I got some cool pictures and you did saw, you really some, did. saw some neat, neat looking Hereford cattle and we should share some of those on our Instagram page. Yeah, they were pretty, pretty cool. And it, it was a nice family, the Sprague, Sprague family up by between Hayes and Victoria mm -hmm. and it's a pretty place out there. <laughs> you know, Garrett and I were out there this weekend, um, this last weekend, actually, we were wandering around, uh, Garrett's daughter had a birthday party in Hayes. And so we had a little bit of time before that and we were driving around, around Victoria mm -hmm. and, uh, finally got to see, um, Mr. Grant's villa. I was going to ask, is that where you went to the, yep. where the Angus, Angus guy's at? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mr. Grant, uh, he was the first one to bring the American Angus or Aberdeen Angus mm -hmm. bulls to America. 
in 1874. Sounds about right. <laughs> and so, uh, is he buried up there? He is. That's He's actually buried in Victoria. There is a big giant, um, Angus bull monument to him, but Grant's Villa is his house on the hill. And there's actually a Grant's Villa road. Cool. And it's an, it's on the national historical register. And I believe families still own and live there, but it is a gorgeous house and very much reminiscent of period architecture and, and limestone um, limestone cool. yes so anyway um that ranch was open range and i was like i thought this was a southern kansas thing because i didn't think they had open <laughs> range in ellis county kansas <laughs> i saw the sign and i was like what is this and the cattle guards and there you go yeah, yeah. it was pretty neat the boys were kind of worn out because they started at 8 30 and we did not get done until seven so it was a marathon <laughs> that is a long day i tell you what our family never had brandings we didn't brand we used ear tags yeah and so uh, i'm from the the central kansas you know edge of the flint hills area you know what we didn't work cattle and horseback either so <laughs> yeah and that's i mean we didn't have horseback cattle when working cattle when i was a kid either it was all on foot and this is kind of a new experience to me too, but once you do it one time, you kind of know mm -hmm. what's going on. So, yeah. Well, hey folks, um, we'd love to hear how you're doing out there. Drop us a line at hbjtalk at hbj.com and let us know, or you can call us at 1-800-452-7171. And do us a favor and head on over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and go ahead and leave us a review. In this week's episode, we're going to bring you the stories you might've missed in the June 8th print edition. We'll have a chat with our all aboard wheat harvest correspondents. Kayleen's going to bring us the latest on grain markets and we'll have our final thoughts. By the way, Alta Seeds brings you this week's episode. Alta will debut its new iGrowth sorghum line July 8th in its first ever Sorghum Frontiers virtual field day. iGrowth is the world's first non-GMO herbicide tolerant sorghum that's commercially available in the U.S. market, enabling pre or post emergent weed control. Be sure to register for the online access to Sorghum Frontiers via www.hpj.com to learn more about this new trait and the company that's bringing it to your farm. Hey, we are just excited to be back in the office, and we hope you all are having a good day too. Thanks for riding along with us here on HPJ Talk. This week's cover story is by Kayleen. High salinity soils take special consideration to raise alfalfa. Farmers in the high plains know they might have to irrigate their alfalfa to get a decent crop, but sometimes because of the added water, the soils become saline. This can happen because of high water tables bringing the salt up to the surface, or in arid climates, salts may actually accumulate on the surface due to irrigation or high evaporation rates. Alfalfa doesn't really care for high salinity. Director of Product Development for Alpharex Seeds, Don Miller, has been researching how salinity affects alfalfa for years now. In his research, he's found there's been yield reductions because of salinity on an estimated 30% of all irrigated land in the U.S. Quote, typical yield loss estimates due to salinity in salt affected regions are generally in the range of 25%, he said. 
it is estimated that the U.S. loses about 7.4 acres per day to soil salinization. Holy cow, Kayleen, 7.4 acres. Yeah, that's quite a bit. He was telling me about how they, when the, the fields do have the salinity in the soil that they'll get hot spots and it'll be a blank slate. There'll be no alfalfa growing there. And the, the alfalfa is really kind of a picky crop. I mean, it's it's got to have water, but it's got to have the right nutrients in the soil to grow and produce the, the quality of alfalfa that you're needing. And they've been doing work on these different traits and different techniques that they use to get the alfalfa that they want to fit these sort of situations. Well, um, folks, if you want to learn more about that, you can always check our alfalfa U presentations too, because uh, I know Dr. Don Miller has been uh, talking about salinity for quite some time with our alfalfa U attendees. So remember that's hpj.com slash alfalfa U. Editor Dave Bergmeier has a story inside High Plains Journal's FFA circulation promotion, Boost Youth. High Plains Journal has raised more than $23,500 to help FFA chapters in nearly every state in the country through this promotion. From April 1 to May 8th, HPJ made a commitment to continue the legacy the farmers and ranchers have built on their farm and preserve the momentum for youth by contributing 25% of all subscription revenue directly to the state FFA foundation designated by participating subscribers. Associate publisher Zach Stuckey said, efforts like these are what families and partners in the industry do to support one another. High Plains Journal's vision behind the FFA partnership initiative was to unite agriculture's collective strength, perseverance, and generosity, along with the passionate promise to help supply opportunity for our future generation. Also on the opinions and editorials page, editor Dave Bergmeier has his column, We're All In This Together, All Aboard Wheat Harvest is set for the latest run. We have a letter to the editor from Kent Martin of Baldwin, Missouri, titled USHCA Donates 240,000 Face Masks to Help Prevent Spread of COVID-19. And Republican Senators Chuck Grassley of Iowa and Mike Braun of Indiana shared their thoughts in another letter to the editor titled Our Way of Life Depends on Affordable 21st Century Cures. Contributor David Murray has a story, Pork Producers Are in Distress, Need More Aid. He listened in on a conference call with the National Pork Producers Council on May 28th. Pork producers are facing an unprecedented crisis unlike anything the industry has ever seen. And unless they receive significantly more help from the federal government, thousands of pork producers could shutter their farms forever. That would be bad news not only for hog farmers and the industries that depend on them and support them, but for United States consumers. Also, Kayleen, you had a story about half a dozen Wyoming rodeo committees canceling their signature events this summer. We've already heard that Cheyenne Frontiers Days was included in that, but at the time of print, Wyoming had less than 1,000 confirmed positive COVID-19 cases, and on May 27th, Wyoming Governor Mark Gordon had announced all of those cancellations. So you reported that since the story appeared, one rodeo, the Cody Stampede, has actually chosen to hold its annual event. In a June 5th press release, the Stampede announced their rodeo will go on, but there will be no Extreme Bulls event prior to the rodeo. Their nightly Cody Night Rodeo will go on as well. Quote, we will be operating under our approved exception to the Wyoming state health orders and the permitted limits placed on outdoor crowd size to help support the health of all involved with the Cody Night Rodeo, the release stated from its board of directors. The Cody Stampede PRCA Rodeo will be held July 1st through 4th with four performances. That is some good news. Yeah, there's 
lots of people that are happy that they're going to ha- be able to have that rodeo in, in Wyoming. And like I said before, those rodeos bring in so much to the, to the towns and they have, you know, the economic impact, bringing the competitors, the fans and everybody, and they're going to try to be as safe as they can be. I mean, some, at some point you have to come back to some semblance of normal. Yep. We, we talked about that last week, folks. And remember, as you're going out and you're, you know, exploring these events, be sure to take care of your own precautions. You know, nothing says that you have to go and sit right on top of somebody at an event, (laughs) you know, give yourself some distance between people. Um, Don't lick people's faces. I know I keep (laughs) saying that, but there's a couple of you out there that I think might actually do that. Um, So just uh, be wise, be cautious, but don't be fearful. Yeah. So you can read more on the variety of ag issues facing farmers and ranchers in the print High Plains Journal, or you can look for it online anytime at www.hpj.com. If you have a response to something you've read or heard, please write to us at journal at hpj.com or hpjtalk at hpj.com. We want to hear from you. High Plains Journal's Cattle U is thundering back to the United Wireless Arena in Dodge City, Kansas, July 29th and 30th. Don't miss your chance to hear from the top names in the cattle industry and learn how you can bring more value to your herd. Sessions will target all segments of the cattle business, from the cow-calf producer to the feedlot manager. For registration details, visit www.cattleu.net. And don't forget to look for a code in the print High Plains Journal for $30 off your registration. Visit cattleu.net today. time for an update from the field with our all aboard wheat harvest correspondence brought to you by Oklahoma Baptist Homes for Children, Unverfirth Manufacturing, BASF, AgriPro Seeds, and AgCo Gleaner. Hi everyone, I'm Lacey Newland and I'm a High Plains Journal field editor. I'm speaking with Lindsay Orgain, one of our all aboard wheat harvest correspondents. Lindsay, tell us a little more about yourself, your background, and your crew. Hi, Lacey. Um, I'm Lindsay from Orgain Harvesting, and we're based out of Cheyenne, Oklahoma. My husband has been custom harvesting for about 13 years, and this is our eighth year of marriage. So our crew is made up of my husband, myself, my father-in-law, Jim, and one of our hired guys, John. And we're currently harvesting at home around Roger Mills County. Oklahoma. We'll venture over to the Texas Panhandle, just right across the state line. And from then, uh, from there, we'll be headed north to Kansas. So far, what have been your biggest challenges for the crew? Has it been the wind this week? Oh, goodness. It's been horrible windy outside. And I know a lot of crews were kind of shut down for a day or so to, to let that pass. But, but thankfully, we were able to keep keep running. Um, We've kind of faced some weather challenges in this area um, in late spring. So we're, as far as yields and things go, we feel like that, that late spring weather, hail and a late freeze and everything's definitely uh, affected the the crops we're doing. But, but so far, I mean, we couldn't, aside from the wind, 
we couldn't ask for more perfect harvest weather. I mean, hot and dry, and we've just been rolling. So we've been thankful for that. Well, Lindsay, it was nice getting to know you, and I wish you luck in the fields and on the road this harvest. Remember, you can follow Lindsay and her crew on Facebook Live Appearances and our new Ask the Harvester segment and follow our harvesters all week long at www.olivewardharvest.com. Well, hey, folks, this is Jennifer Latsky, and I am talking from the field with All Aboard Weed Harvest blogger uh, Brian Jones. Brian, you're in the combine. You are cutting away. Where? How, how are you doing? Uh, let's introduce you to the crew. Hey, Jennifer. It's a really nice day here. We've had a really warm temperatures in the 90s to up to 100 degrees here in south central Oklahoma, about 100 miles west of Oklahoma City and then just north of the short ways. And we have just been cutting up a storm. We have uh, begun harvest and have not had a single delay um, since we began. So that's a real departure from last year. Some of you may remember it just rained almost endlessly, and it was just terrible last year. So it feels like we finally have earned some nice harvesting weather in Oklahoma, and we're enjoying it. So if, for those of you listening, those beeps and, and blips in the background, Brian's in the combine. Um, Brian, what are those noises? Um, it, what, what do those monitors tell you? So we're, uh, our combines are all running auto steer where the machines uh, drive themselves. So that keeps them uh, parallel to the, to the pass we just made. It helps make the machines just as efficient as, efficient as possible. We combine as much weight today as possible with that. And it also takes a lot of stress off of the operators as well, which lets us pay a little bit more attention to other aspects of the machine, like exactly how clean the green quality is or how the cutting performance maybe is of the weeds. Or it lets us make phone calls or record podcasts like we're doing right now, which you probably <laughs> couldn't have done 20 years ago while you were combining. Exactly. 20 years ago when I started out in this business, I would have had to have come out to the field with a big, big piece of equipment and hauled myself up into the combine with you. So um, we have come a long way. It is. It would have been loud and noisy and rattly and uncomfortable. And uh, now we live in uh, pretty nice environments. That's something that manufacturers have really have made a change for over the last decade is just realizing how many long hours we uh, put in in a lot of these machines now. I don't think I've been to bed before 1 a.m. since uh, we started harvesting here, and, and that's pretty typical. So, you know, I sit in the seat almost 12 hours a day or even more sometimes. So I know some people might think it sounds a little like overkill that we have things like ventilated seats and uh, Bluetooth telephone or satellite radio, but it really is our office, and we spend a lot of time here, and we enjoy having a few of the comforts of home also when we're out here on the road as well. So it helps keep us awake and alert and just pass the time a little bit better, which probably isn't such a big deal when we're first starting. And, but by the time in three months we are in North Dakota, it's kind of sitting in the seat because it's a little bit old and uh, we definitely enjoy some of those creature comforts a little more. For sure. So now maybe tell us a little bit about your crew. Um, how many do you have? Where are they all from? Um, tell us a little bit about them. Yeah. This is an entirely family-operated crew, which is a little bit different than a lot of people. So um, with, this is our 38th year of wheat harvesting uh, together as a family. So it really has gone on for a long time, and it has become a family tradition for us. So the crew consists of uh, Glenn and Vernell, my mother and father, 
and then my uncle David and both my parents and then David have our own separate farms back home located in, in Iowa and Minnesota. And then uh, my sister and brother-in-law, and then they have four young boys. They also come with us as well. So David and I spend uh, the time in the combines as combine operators. And my dad and brother-in-law, Cameron and Glenn, are the truck drivers. And those are the four of us that are in the field most days. And then Brenda, Burnell, and their four boys, Titus, Ezra, Kanan, and Judah. They're all uh, back in the trailer house doing other important things like running parts errands or doing laundry or taking care of food or maybe paying bills or uh, getting us ready to move to the next stop where we've got some uh, loose ends to tie up. So it's a big uh, family effort all together. And I guess after we've done it this many times, it's kind of old hat. But it's a different dynamic compared to other crews. You know, we don't have strangers that we hire every year or non-family members, and that makes it a little bit easier, I think, also. We always make fun of our small, rectangular tin boxes that we live in. Just uh, They don't seem nearly as glamorous as when they began, which we always laugh because we get, sometimes we come home and return from we harvest, and we always have uh, friends tell us, oh, man, you've been gone all summer, and you, you need a vacation, and you've got everything loaded up in your trailer houses. You guys should just go take off and go on some big RV vacation. And then we're like, are you kidding? The last thing we want to do is spend another day inside here. We're all ready to go in our houses and run around in big rooms and open doors and not be able to see the end of the house from anywhere we stand. It's uh, something you probably don't really think much about of until you uh, live on the road for three months and uh, then you'd understand. Well, hey, this has been fun. Um, I, I, I just love how All Aboard um, brings a glimpse of the... the um, the harvest season to our, our viewers, our readers, our listeners. Um, and this year we now have, um, we're featuring ask the harvester Facebook live appearances where each week, um, each one of you correspondents will take on our all aboard harvest Facebook page and conduct a Facebook live segment. Um, so folks, uh, those of you reading this or listening to this, be sure to like and follow All Aboard Harvest on Facebook for notifications of the next appearance. And, and if you have a question that you want to pose to our harvesters, um, add it to that page, add it to the comments, and we'll see if we can't get it answered in a, a Facebook Live or in a next blog post. Right, Brian? Absolutely. I think it's going to be a fun year. There's a, a nice variety of bloggers that represent a lot of uh, different types of crews from small to big to family operations. And uh, that gives people a, a little bit of a different glimpse into how things go. And I know everyone's always excited to see pictures of the combines and uh, know, you know more about the harvesting itself. But sure, there's a lot of other interesting things about, you know, just how we do lunches and laundry and shopping and what do we do on days off when we're hundreds of miles away from home and those are all fun things i think we'll probably be exploring over the next uh, couple of months together as well and i have a little glimpse of some of the other aspects that maybe haven't always thought about but are definitely a core part of the harvester experience on the road well brian i know you're probably about ready to to turn into another another rower so where are you and the family off to next so we um, are really flying through Oklahoma here, just with no weather delays, uh, which has been unusual for the last few years. It means we're really looking to wrap up here um, 
in a shorter period of time than normal. So it sounds like Kansas is about on schedule. We headed near the Dodge City, Kansas area next, right? They're home to the High Plains Journal. So we're uh, going to look like we'll be just a few days early, and that'll be fine. It'll give us time to get all prepped and settled in and, and ready to go. And um, I assume that we'll probably be harvesting in Kansas in probably about a week's time. Great. All righty. Well, folks, um, you will hear from Brian in the pages of High Plains Journal or, as always, online at allaboardharvest.com. Thanks again, Brian, for taking some time with us, and you be safe out there, okay? Great. Thanks, Jennifer, and thanks, listeners. It's uh, going to be a fun summer, so thanks for tuning in. Hey, everybody, this is Jennifer Latsky over here at High Plains Journal on HPJ Talk. And uh, this week, we are introducing all of our All Aboard Wheat Harvest correspondents. And today joining us is Laura Hoffner. Laura, hey, can, um, thanks for, for joining us. How's it going? Uh, how's the crew doing? Hey, Jennifer, thanks for having me. Yeah, um, it's going really well. We started out in North Texas, and we were a little bit concerned there because you know, we hit a rainy patch, similar to what we've experienced the past several years. So we kind of were concerned that all of a sudden the weather cleared up. They took the rain out of the forecast and we've been running straight for probably close to two weeks now. Wow. That is, that's pretty good for you guys. I mean, every time that you're in the field and keep it going, um, that's more wheat that's going in the bins for uh, my toast in the morning. So I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I mean, we've been a little bit, it's, it's moving fast. I mean, as you guys have experienced down there in Dodge, we've kind of had some extremely warm temperatures and the wind's really drying things down. So it has been a mixed blessing that we can stay in the field and keep moving because the harvest and the ripening is definitely not slowing down for anyone. Yep, yep, yep. Well, hey, um, so uh, tell us a little bit about your crew and where you're from. Um, give our, our audience just kind of a a, a taste of, of what the Hoffners are. Yeah, well, um, we office out of his homestead or his home place where he grew up. So we're from the park area. Ryan's family was in the harvest business for several years when he was growing up. Um, he was a later in life child. So by the time he came along, some of that was um, nearing its end. Um, his dad was getting close to retirement age, as was his uncle. And eventually he went on and harvested for um, some other people at that time. He went for oh, close to 10 years through his high school and college career, fell in love with the harvest through his family and with that family. And eventually, after going out in the industry for a while, doing some different things, and we've been running it as ours ever since. But we run about Oh, anywhere from five to six combines usually. We try to hire Americans, but we have also have a lot of international presence on our crew as well. We start in northern Texas each year and typically end up the wheat and small grains run just shy of the Canadian border in Montana and central North Dakota, respectively. Very good. That's so awesome. Well, hey, um, so you talked to us, talked to us a little bit about the wheat condition in the field right now. Um, how's the crew doing? What's what's the pulse of the team? You're we're what three weeks in for y'all? Two weeks in? A, a month in so far? You know, it kind of depends on who came. You know, with COVID, I'm sure you're aware in, in your business too that it definitely changed the way things look. So we've had a variety of crew members in. Um, for a wide range amount of time. We've had some 
that made it in before the pandemic hit and some that literally flew in and joined us at the time of harvest. So we have a, a range of folks who have been working so far, but yeah, they've been working in the field for several weeks now. We have quite the variety of, of people this year. Um, some have a lot of experience and some have been learning the trade on, on the job, so to speak. So I think that they're starting to fall into place, though, and really learn their roles. And I think I think they're going to be a great crew this year. Good. So um, what is the process when you're hiring a, a team to go on the road with you like this? Um, you know, a lot of people maybe understand the hiring process in their office jobs, but with a custom cutting crew, um, that's probably something different, right? It can be. Um Typically, I mean, similarly to an office job or something like that, we have a bit of an interview process and a screening process. You know, we would like to see your resume and obviously have some non-family or non-friend references that can truly give us a feel. And we want this to be a good fit for both parties. I mean, we try to be as transparent as possible about what to expect. You know, there's a lot of early mornings and late nights and flat out long hours and, and long work, too. So we want we want folks to know what they're getting in for. But on the other hand, we also want to know that we can count on you. We take it very seriously what we do and how we represent and um, assist our customers. We realize that their livelihoods are on the line. So we want an employee or a team member who is willing to stick it out and show some grit and willing to fulfill their end of the bargain, too, in the season. I mean, typically, we would look for someone with a little bit of experience. That's preferable. Mm -hmm. However, someone who's willing to learn, has a good attitude, a good work ethic, you know, we'd be willing to take a look at that type of person as well. Um, if they're teachable, they're willing to be a good team member. So um, I, I would think that the process is really quite similar to what you would experience in an office setting. We're looking for similar skills, but those are, you know, those skills that obviously pertain to the harvest setting. So we've talked about the crew. We've talked about uh, harvest and, and, and where, where you're at now. Where are you off to next? We are currently, we've made it out of Texas, so we are into southwest, south-central Oklahoma, and we, I was told just tonight that they are just finishing up, and we should be starting to move crews into south-central Kansas. Oh, wow. So, when you get ready to pick up and move, what does that circus train look like? (laughs) Yeah. It's a little bit stressful. I mean, we definitely want to make sure all of our machines are cleaned out. That's really important. We don't want to spread something that's been in one field to another field. So making sure that everything's cleaned up and ready to go for our next customer is very important. You know, safety is also crucial as well. Making sure the machines are properly placed on their trailers, everything's tightened down and ready to move, making sure our guys are in um, position to do that as well. Anytime you have 100-plus wheels on the ground, it definitely Mm -hmm. is concerning. Uh, We want to make sure things are safe for our crew as well as those we might be on the on the road so typically they get everything cleaned up cleaned up and loaded and hit the road depending if that's you know in the evening or the next morning some things that we have to be concerned about are we have wide loads so there's some restrictions that go along with that you can only travel within you know certain parameters concerning daylight hours mm-hmm. so making sure that we're observing those rules properly and we get on the road and and hope everybody stays safe and we move on to the next job that reminds me, it's my it's time for my yearly plug. Hey folks, it's harvest time. You're gonna see big equipment. You're gonna see people moving up and down the highway. They may be going slower than you are. Now is the time for a little bit more patience. So just hang back, give them plenty of room, make sure they can see you and you can see their mirrors and be good to them because these are the folks that are bringing the food that comes to our tables, okay? 
Um, tell them Aunt Jenny sent you. All righty. Well, hey, um, this new this year, we're going to have some Facebook Live appearances. You've already done an Ask the Harvester Facebook Live. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was fun. It was something different that we had the opportunity to interact with the readers of All Aboard. And I hope that now that we're all kind of getting used to this new format, that you guys can think of some different questions and interact back with us so we can help provide you guys some information and insight on what it's like in the Harvest Crew. And of course, um, you can follow Laura and Brian and all of our other harvesters all week long on the All Aboard Wheat Harvest page at allaboardharvest.com. And if you're like me and you use Twitter, Laura, you're on Twitter, right? I am on Twitter. What's that Don't handle? Don't ask me my handle's name. <laughs> I think if you can look me up under Laura Hoffner. There you go. Look her up under Laura Hoffner, folks. All righty. Um, well, hey, thanks, Laura. We won't take up too much more of your time because I'm guessing you've got um, a lot of packing to get taken care of before you're on the road in the morning. But thanks again for joining us on HPJ Talk, and we will see you on the road, okay? Sounds great. Thanks for having me. Well, this is Kayleen Scott for HPJ Talk, and I'm here with Janelle Skimper with All Aboard Wheat Harvest. She's one of our bloggers and correspondents this year. Welcome, Janelle. Thank you. Now, for our listeners, tell me a little bit about where you're from, how long you've been doing this, and where you guys are at right now. I am from Holdridge, Nebraska. We do the wheat harvest from the Texas-Oklahoma border clear up to the North Dakota-Canadian border throughout the summer months, so like end of May till middle of September, typically. And then we come back home for fall harvest, and that usually lasts till Thanksgiving time or later. Mm-hmm. I've been harvesting since I was born, so since I was five months old, and I was born in the 80s. Don't really want to tell you my age, but <laughs> you know how that is. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you guys cutting at now? Okay, so yeah, we were we just finished up here in the Weatherford, Oklahoma area. There's tons of wheat around, but the farmers are just in no hurry at all to get their wheat cut. The, the forecast is clear. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. They're just in no hurry, but they need a threat of weather. So they would hire us, but we went ahead and loaded up and moved our combines up to Southern Kansas today. But we did start at Frederick mm-hmm. May 26th and that area was not very good to us. They, they got beat bad by freeze in April during the growing stage that we made anywhere from 10 to 45 that I cut 10 to 45 bushels per acre. The test mm-hmm. weight was decent, 62, 63 pounds. And the protein was very good. So, you know, they, they fertilized it. Mm-hmm. The protein's good. So um, here in the Weatherford area, the wheat was better. Um, first field I cut made 51. Some of the fields were, I guess they were all in the 40s and 50s. But the test weight was unreal. It was 64 and 65 pounds. We thought that was, you know, excellent. And then all at once, it was 66.1 to 66.4 pounds per bushel, and that's just unheard of. That's a record. I've never seen it that good. Yeah, that is good. Why is it you think that they're not in a hurry down there to get to get cutting? Are they just behind? I think, I think it's just um, there's no mud, mm-hmm. and the forecast is clear, so they'll just cut it themselves at their own pace, I guess. They'll get to it when they get to it. Yeah, and there's a lot of wheat standing from here up to the Kansas line that's not cut that, you know, looks like it. Mm-hmm. It should definitely be cut already, so. What, has it been really hot down there, or has it been windy? It's been very hot. We had several, at least 100-degree days, um, typically in the 90s. Yesterday was weird. Um, 
we had like 25 mile an hour winds all day and it was only like 79, 80 degrees. But today it's hot, hot and windy. Perfect wheat cutting weather. It is. Yeah. (laughs) It brings it on quick. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the crew. How many do you have with you and what's their pulse this year? So on my crew, let's see, we have four crews. So we have eight combines and four crews. So each crew has two combines. My crew has five people. So there's usually five or six people on a crew. Okay. To drive the trucks and run the tractor grain carts and run the combines. Okay. Well, you guys moved up into southern Kansas. How long do you think it'll be before you'll be able to get anything cut there? It looked like they were maybe just trying it. Mm-hmm. What we what we saw it looked like they had pulled into some fields and just sampled it. But my customer says the weekend, so yeah. that's just a couple of days away. So I hope we can just get right back after it. Yeah, I, I like to be in the field. <laughs> I bet you do. Yeah. Well, this year we're going to do something new with Facebook Live and ask the harvester on the allaboardharvest.com uh, Facebook page. And I want you guys to like and follow Allbird Wheat Harvest on Facebook for the next live event. And hopefully Janelle will be on there sometime soon. Well, Janelle, have a great rest of your week, and I hope you get into the field fast. Thanks. Thanks a lot. This is Kaylaine Scott here for HPJ Talk. I'm with Steph Cronier. Is that how you say it? You say it. No, that was pretty good. Steph Cronier. Yep. She is with the Osowski Ag Service, and she is one of our correspondents for the All Aboard Wheat Harvest. Welcome again, Stephanie. Thank you. It's good to be back. So give me the rundown. Where are you at? Where are you located? And what is going on right now with your crew? Okay, so we are in Grafton, North Dakota, uh, hometown. I I was born and raised here, and now it looks like we're just going to keep that trend going with me and uh, my husband, Peter. So everybody got most of their wheat and every other crop planted in, I would say, within the last week or so. And it couldn't have came at a better time because we had rain come through this past Friday till probably Monday. And just Monday afternoon, it rained about an inch, an inch and a half in about 20 minutes. So over the course of the weekend, I think the area, depend, a little. there was a little bit of variances, but it was between three and a half to five inches of rain that we received. Well, that's pretty good. We got a little bit of rain yesterday, but we've been really, really dry here in western Kansas. Tell me a little bit about the, the wheat crop up there. It's spring wheat, right? Yep, yep. And it's obviously now with the, because I, I always joke that because sometimes, I mean, I know there's, farming and harvesting but I'm like I was a harvest girl I wasn't a farm girl I never saw crops at the at this stage really because we would leave before long 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 before the crops were even planted or finished planting Mm -hmm. so I only started the last few years actually seeing wheat in its early baby stages yeah (laughs) but but the emergence has been good um the different varieties a lot of guys have been using um consistently there's one called it's westbred 9590 a lot of guys are using and they're very happy with the outcomes of that um everybody around here got their crops in so i think that's the most important part is they're just happy that they got them in and now they got the shot of rain maybe a little bit more than they wanted but Mm -hmm. better better than the opposing force of dryness yeah that's always true is there any disease pressure any insects anything going on right now as far as the wheat goes a lot of guys are still they still have their crop well not their crop adjusters their their 
Well, now you words are hard. You just mentioned this earlier. Now I'm struggling to think of the right words. <laughs> they're, they're still kind of surveying the area that guys haven't started spraying yet. Now with this rain, now they're also getting pushed back. I heard some guys aren't going to be able to go till maybe a, next Monday, mm-hmm. if, if not later. So as of now, there's no imminent threats to the crops. So what is your summer looking like then? Well, I work for John Deere. Mm-hmm. I work for True North Equipment in my hometown now. And I do, so I work with the GPS receivers and the displays and the tractors and combines and everything and in the sprayers. So now with the sprayer, with spraying season coming along, it'll be, I've had to do a little bit more. I wouldn't say a little bit more than normal because spring springtime was crazy. And then with all the, the COVID-19 and everything going on, we were all working from home. So that was a fun, fun little learning curve, learning mm-hmm. my new job from my kitchen. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah. But it's been good. I I enjoy it, and I love being able to go out and talk to farmers. And I I know nothing but agriculture, so it'd be weird not being involved in some way. Yeah, I agree. Well, we're excited to have you this year, and leaning, having a little bit of a different aspect, different take on this would be your dad and brother and the the custom harvesting and custom work that you guys do. Um, tell me what your favorite thing is about the harvest process. Is it weird? I like the smell of harvest. Is that weird? <laughs> no, <laughs> just, because just, I remember the smell from my childhood. <laughs> yeah, just the smell of it and the I like how it's it's all hands on deck. Everybody kind of pops out and wants to help out and it's it's always such a happy time. It seems like planting's a little more stressful and then harvest comes around and I mean it's got its it's got its stresses as well, but harvest I feel like everybody's just a lot more happier and I wouldn't say easygoing, that's being a little too generous, but (laughs) just, it's the fun part. (laughs) Well, that sounds great. Well, thanks for chatting with me today, Steph. Thank you. Thanks for that update. And remember, if you want to catch up with our All Aboard Wheat Harvest crews, visit their blog at www.allaboardharvest.com and look for their posts in the pages of High Plains Journal each week. All Aboard Wheat Harvest is brought to you by Oklahoma Baptist Homes for Children, Unverfirth Manufacturing, BASF, AgriProceeds, and Agco Gleaner, who remind you that we're all in this together. High Plains Journal is bringing Wheat Sorghum U back to the Kansas Star Event Center in Mulvane, Kansas, August 11th. Don't miss this one-day event with speakers from around the High Plains, bringing you the education and tools you need to boost your wheat and sorghum bottom lines. Registration is free. Don't delay. Save your seat today at www.hpj.com. Your grain market prices from Dodd City's Pride Ag Resources on June 2nd. Corn was up at $3.14. Wheat was up at $4.11. Milo was up at $3.34, and soybeans were up at $7.56. If you'd like to have crop or livestock targeted news emailed directly to you, sign up for our HPJ Direct email newsletters on our website, www.hpj.com slash signup. Simply select the topics that interest you, and you'll receive updates on them directly to your email. Be sure to watch for our soil health technology issue of High Plains Journal in your mailboxes June 15th with a story from Shauna Rumbaugh. And look for additional content online anytime at 
www.hpj.com. Remember, this week's episode was brought to you by Alta Seeds. Alta will debut its new iGrowth sorghum line July 8th in its first ever Sorghum Frontiers Virtual Field Day. iGrowth is the world's first non-GMO herbicide-tolerant sorghum that's commercially available in the United States market, enabling pre- or post-emergent weed control. Be sure to register for the online access to Sorghum Frontiers via www.hpj.com slash Sorghum Frontiers to learn more about this new trait and the company that's bringing it to your farm. Remember, you can subscribe for free to this podcast at hpj.com slash podcast. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever you download podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at HPJ Talk for news and commentary throughout the week. And you can always drop us a line at our email, hpjtalk at hpj.com. Thanks again for riding along with us, folks, as we bring ag news and commentary to you. And remember, as Dodge City's favorite lawman, Wyatt Earp, once said, fast is fine, but accuracy is everything. We'll see you on the trail. Dirt road in a gooseneck, saddle up with me. Dry land in God's country, crops far as I can see. The headlights on both ends of my day. This country life is for me. Hey